Tampa's call. Left side. They're going to come home. Oh, now the puck gets away. Here comes Vargas. Yeah, the Nets win it. The scrappy Nets have done it again. Well, they have been scrappy. They haven't probably done it enough again and again and again this season. But today was one of them when the Nats rallied in the bottom of the ninth to play the role of spoiler against the team that's contending in the National League Central and for the National League wildcard in the Milwaukee Brewers, who unraveled in the bottom of the ninth inning and handed the Nationals a 3-2 victory today at Nats Park. We're going to talk some baseball and some Nats baseball this segment. Jesse Doherty covers the Nats for the Washington Post. He joins us from time to time. This is one of those times this afternoon. It sounded like they just won a game that made them clinch the playoffs or something today, Jesse, but they have been scrappy and they have been gritty, right? Even if they haven't won as much as Nationals fans would like them to, at least they got a so-called curly W today. Yeah, I, I think there's They've been they've been solid at times. I think I think my only you know thought there is sometimes those are words usually used to replace talent. So um, you know when teams are maybe not as invested in or not as well built, we kind of resort to saying that they can scrap by. And more often than not in the major leagues, that that means you're kind of on the wrong end of the result. But today, you know they they hung around, they put together a little rally in the ninth, put the ball in play, which against a guy who throws stuff with a ton of movement and has been really good this year. I mean that's. That's no small thing, especially for some younger hitters. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think it was a it was a, certainly a fun win for those down there. I, I didn't catch it myself, um, but uh, yeah, the interesting uh, series win, especially against a contending team, like, as you yeah. noted. Absolutely, uh, busy time off the field. That you know, no blockbuster trades. They did make a few moves, and as you pointed out uh, on Twitter at Doherty underscore Jesse. By the way, if you'd like like to follow him, this is the time of year in recent history that the Nationals do start getting busy, isn't it, Jesse? And they start putting some guys out there with a major league club that they want to start taking a look at. Yeah, it was a, it was a quieter deadline compared to the last two years, so they only ended up making one deal, um, but. Aside from that, they've they're sort of shuffling the roster a bit at the major league level. In the last hour or so, they they uh, released Corey Dickerson as a veteran left fielder, and they also optioned Luis Garcia, who is sort of supposed to be part of the core, the next core that contends and has really struggled both offensively and defensively. So we'll see about three to four new faces in the roster, and I think you know what, what happens down the stretch here, especially with the small roster expansion in September, is start to kind of get more guys from the minors up. You start to sort of get uh, more new faces, whether they're waiver claims or guys you got in trades or, or, or maybe others who have just come through the system over the years. And so this year, that, that group is Jake Alou at their base. It's going to be infielder Jeter Downs. It's going to be outfielder Blake Rutherford, who's a former first-round pick, who Nationals signed to a minor league deal before this season, and has really, he's really excelled in AAA. And then the, the pitcher that they claim yesterday from the Miami Marlins is, is Robert Garcia, a left-handed pitcher who's also has really good AAA numbers. So... You know, they're banking on some guys who've shown some pretty good you know, performance in the upper level of the minors to continue that in the majors. We obviously know how big of a leap that is, so that's never a given. But it uh, can't hurt to give some auditions out, especially in the last two months of what's you know shaping up to be another down year overall results-wise. Hey, Jesse, I, I kind of pride myself on following a lot of this stuff in Major League Baseball, whether it's the Nationals or any other team, but I, I kind of missed this one back in spring training, I guess it was. Uh, I want to mention a couple of the younger guy names that, that you talked about, but Jeter Downs, I remember him being with the Red Sox, right, because of the Jeter yeah. connection and Derek Jeter. How did how sure. the Nats wind up with him? 
he was a waiver claim. So when uh-huh. he got he got DFA by the Red Sox in a roster shuffle, obviously um, a top prospect. He came over. He, he ended up with them in the Mookie Betts trade, which is I think part of why he was a big name too, because he's part of this blockbuster deal that everyone was talking about nationally. And and then he's in a crunch over the winter. They DFA him because the Nationals had the worst record in baseball last year. They had the worst. They had the first waiver spot. So mm. you sort of by, by losing a lot, you earn yourself the first hack at any available player on the waiver wire over and over and over. You don't you don't sort of sneak back to the end, maybe like in a fantasy football league. You have to just stay in that top waiver spot. And because of that, I mean, assuming that some other teams maybe wanted to give a shot to Downs despite his AAA and major league results in a very small sample, Nationals were able to be that first team with the option and, and gave him a shot. So, you know, he's, he hasn't been great down in the minors this year. He's AAA slash line leaves a lot to be desired, but – He's on the 40-man. I think the move generally is more to get Garcia to the minors than it is to get down to the majors, but he ends up just being that next guy in line to get a chance. Absolutely. And then another guy that you mentioned I know I know you like a lot, uh, the youngster Jake Alou. Uh, what can you tell us about him? I guess uh, he had his first RBI today for the Nats. Yeah, he's, he's had run-scoring hits in the last two games, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's an interesting one. He's a 20, former 24th-round pick. It's a round that doesn't even exist anymore. And, um, you know, Nationals haven't really developed many guys or drafted many guys beyond the first round, maybe the first couple rounds that have ended up in the majors. And so to sort of bring along a long shot, so to speak, uh, a guy who you don't, maybe you don't expect to develop and, and have him sort of thrive in your system, and he's hit at every level he's been at. Um, AAA, not excluded, even though he's slumped a bit this summer after a, a quick taste of the majors earlier in, in the year. Um, he's he's a really solid player. He's, he's a sharp defender at third he can he, he can he despite you know his smaller size he has some pop and and his bats and ball skills is kind of what his calling card is so swing decisions plus contact ability are kind of where he thrives so we'll see if he can continue that in the majors again it gets it gets a lot harder I mean that jump it's the biggest jump uh high a to double a is a big jump double a to triple a is a big jump triple a to the majors is a massive jump so mm-hmm. uh, you know it's, it'll be interesting but but what he'll get now is everyday opportunities and you know, because of this rebuild that's gone on for a few years now, the Nationals have had an opportunity to give guys these chances in bulk. And in the case of Joey Manessis, in the case of Wayne Thomas, in the case of Kyle Finnegan, it's worked out that they've got found some everyday players. Now, for all, for for those three guys, there's a dozen or more or so others who have not worked out. So it's not like everyone just hits because they get a chance. But you do have an opportunity to sort of give guys a longer audition and a longer look than they maybe would get with a, with a better team, with a contending team. So that is sort of one small virtue of the rebuilding process. Mm-hmm. Jesse, obviously the guys that we've just been talking about that they're shuffling in now, they'll get you know a smaller sample size, a couple of months, but they'll still get a smaller sample size than some of these guys that you alluded to that have been there all year and kind of cutting their teeth. How do the Nats feel uh, that those guys have, have performed and kind of gotten their feet wet at the major league level? Yeah, I mean, it's mixed results, and I think that's expected, like, you know, with the guy like Garcia, he's going to now go get a reset in AAA, and that's obviously not what you want. And then you look at another guy like C.J. Abrams, shortstop, 22 years old, who's taking a really big jump this season. And then, you know, and there's you can go kind of get on the list. Like Josiah Gray was an all-star, and his ERA is pretty good, but some of his underlying stats, whether it's whether it's hits allowed or uh, whether it's walks, have not been as, as desirable. And then Gabriel Ruiz has shown flashes on offense. His defense is really lagged behind, so he's got to improve there. So, I mean, I think with any young players, especially guys who are kind of learning in the majors, which is typically hard to do, you're going to have good, good and bad, and I think that's what we've seen. Um, so it's, you know, I think Abrams probably is in the brightest spot. He's had a really, really, really good July, especially past the All Star break, 
ever since he moved to Blue Yale Spy, he's been playing with his hair on fire, and it's been really fun to watch. So he's probably the one that stands out. And then there's, you know, again, like on the other side of that is Garcia, who, you know, you, you really did not want to see go down to AAA this year if you're the Nationals, but they felt like given the recent results and where he's at, they needed to do that. Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post visiting with us, talking some baseball this afternoon on the Sports Huddle. Um, so you mentioned that the trade deadline, that the Nats were not, you know, overly busy, uh, no blockbuster headline deals. As you looked around Major League Baseball, um, what were your thoughts as 6 o'clock hit yesterday afternoon? We obviously did have some big names that got moved, but did anything particularly strike your fancy that, that you think will totally impact what we're going to see in September and October? Yeah, I thought it was a kind of a quieter deadline overall, especially the day of. I think the fact that, uh, you know, Max Scherzer kind of domino fell before the deadline. I, I know Verlander's a huge move, but um, aside from those two big pitchers, obviously some, some teams, you know, the, the Angels are really fascinating to me because they're going for it and trying to maximize this two more months of Shohei Otani. And um, the Mets are fascinating because their experiment, their high spending experiment didn't work this year. Um, but yeah, overall, it seems like with the extended playoffs, teams are kind of almost caught between buying and selling. It's like, you kind of can see a path to the to the playoffs and getting in the dance if you don't really over you know make your roster and and give away some prospects and or you're already sort of in the mix and you don't feel like you need to go crazy because the teams behind you aren't really improving that much so it didn't feel like the kind of deadline like last year with the Padres who went all in by getting Brandon Drury and Juan Soto and Josh Hader in one big one big sort of swoop and or, or some other teams it kind of felt like a quieter like even some of the major teams like whether it's the Braves or some others kind of held almost stood pat and just kind of said, we're going to go what we have already and see where it takes us. So that made for sort of not quite the frenzy we usually see, like fewer relievers change teams than I would have thought. Um, the White Sox didn't trade some of their main pieces in the way I would have thought. So uh, it was it was compelling in its own way because, you know, it always is when contenders are adding new pieces and, and some teams are choosing to buy or sell. But, but it didn't have that same punch, I think, as, as usual deadlines. Jesse, I'm uh, I'm a little bit older uh, and have followed baseball a, a little bit, maybe even a, a lot longer. And there are a couple of tradition-rich teams that haven't been very good of late and are this year. And I've been making the argument that baseball is better when Baltimore is good and when Cincinnati is good. I realize they are not major market franchises by any stretch of the imagination. But even a little bit, would you buy into that, that, that baseball can say, hey, we're having a pretty good year when we get teams like Cincinnati and Baltimore who are back good again at the top of their divisions? For sure. And, you know, and, and frankly, like, those are the teams that, like, I think as a fan, and you're mentioning that like, they're sort of like more of maybe the legacy teams that have been around for a long time, maybe you were hoping to see them kind of take a little bit more of a swing at the deadline. Because, hmm. I mean, they're not – they certainly are still flawed, and, and maybe, maybe their GMs see that they're – you know, a, week, a year or two away in the window they actually projected, so maybe they shouldn't be hitting the, the gas. Um, you know, the Orioles added Jack Flaherty, and that does address a need for them because they their pitching is thin and their rotation is thin. But um, I think, like, both those teams are such fun young talent, and, you know, any year you're in the mix or in first place or have a chance to go to the playoffs, like, we've seen, like, in some recent years, like, the Nationals were a wild-card team and the Phillies were a wild-card team, and they – and the Nationals won the World Series in 2019 as a wild card team, and the Phillies made the World Series last year as a wild card team. You don't have to necessarily be an 105 win club to make noise in October. So I, I kind of, I kind of felt like I wished some of those legacy teams that aren't as big spenders maybe took some bigger swings in the rental market. And I think maybe um, you know for the Orioles in particular, um, you know they're they're sort of like patience or not giving up those top prospects. You know could look good years from now, but. 
you also may look back and say, look, that's maybe a weaker year where not a lot of teams retooled a bunch of the deadline, and we kind of missed our shot to take a big swing and, and, and push our chips into the, in the, in the middle of the pot. So um, I, was kinda, I was maybe a little disappointed by that, but mm-hmm. I guess I understand it from a long-term view perspective. But I, yeah, I'm glad you brought those two teams up because they're pretty fascinating, and, but I don't know how, if, if they got better to the point yesterday to like actually feel like they're real legitimate contenders this year. Uh, they're in it for now, that's for sure. But yeah, I would I would agree with you. They didn't make the the major moves that maybe they could have uh, in this situation. But fascinating to watch both of them as as we move along. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'll finish up with you. Obviously, for the Nationals, it's all about them. They want to develop these players. They want to get them better. Uh, they want to be able to win and compete in twenty four and twenty five. Is there anything to this? Let's play the role of the spoiler deal. I, I think you hear that a lot more maybe in like college basketball or something like that, college football. Yeah. But in, in baseball, is there anything? Because they're going to play. You know, these teams like today. You know, they spoiled a day for the Milwaukee, although the Brewers had a lot to do with spoiling that day themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything, it's like these are a bunch of young guys who want to prove themselves. When you fill your clubhouse with young players who don't have guaranteed spots next season or don't have guaranteed contracts beyond their team control years, you're going to get guys motivated to win. So maybe more than like specifically being spoilers to the direct team across from me, like we're going to try and spoil the Mets or the British or the Phillies, whatever it may be. I think it's mostly just like the motivated clubhouse because those guys are not like ordained or they're not sort of like comfortable in what they have yet. I mean, if you went down the list, there's very few guys in there that have, you know, obviously they all have pretty good financial assurance at the moment, even if they're on the major league minimum, but they don't have that assurance. Maybe a veteran does, they don't have the major contract yet. So I think you'll see that more than anything where they'll hang around in games like today because, you know, they want to sort of prove themselves and make sure they have a spot next spring training where the team's saying, you know, you're going to have a spot until you lose it instead of you to go earn it again. That's, that's a major difference come February. So I think that's mostly what they're playing for. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Jesse, good stuff this afternoon. I uh, hope the Nationals finish strong and you finish strong as well uh, with Appreciate the season. Uh, and we'll catch up with you as we head down the home stretch. Great. Thanks so much. Jesse Doherty, Washington Post. Uh, covers the Nats for the Post and uh, appears with us uh, pretty regularly. Uh, you can follow him at Doherty underscore Jesse on Twitter and WashingtonPost.com slash sports. And right here on 1061 ESPN on the Sports Huddle. We're right at the bottom of the hour. We will come back about a half hour to go on a Wednesday afternoon, and we will do that with you after a timeout on 1061 ESPN.